Good morning to all of you this morning. It's good to see you. Uh, we have a number of people that are definitely away and also a number of people that are under the weather, as I understand. So it's great to see uh, you to be with us this morning. A few announcements uh, to keep in mind that uh, in some ways, too, you'll sort of wonder maybe we should have uh, skipped a Sunday and for the message that's coming today <laughs> would be maybe for Communion Sunday, but maybe we can look at it as a nice preparation, a nice preparation for the Lord's Supper for next Lord's Day. Uh, keep that in mind that we will be doing that next Lord's Day together as a congregation. The membership class will meet after the service this morning about uh, 10 minutes or so on the second door to the right down the hall. Okay. Also concerning the directory, okay, Chrissy wants us to understand this morning, this is supposed to be the last Sunday for pictures. So, and if you, again, if you have been a continual guest uh, in the congregation, we would love to have your picture also to put in the directory. Uh, so you'll see Ron out in front of the fireplace after the service. Probably pleased attend to that also uh, this morning. Uh, also, concerning the Christmas program, uh, understand that Kristen uh, Biden is saying please contact her today. Uh, by This is supposed to be the last day in terms of participation in the Christian, uh, Christmas program. Uh, please do that. Uh, there's possibly that we don't have a lot of people signed up. So I know there's got to be a lot of hidden talents in this congregation. <laughs> so come forward. <laughs> okay. uh, come forward, and uh, this is your opportunity uh, to have a wonderful night of fellowship and, and, uh, and observe one another's talents for that. So please, if you want to do something, uh, please, uh, uh, please sign up for that and inform Kristen about that. Also, also keep, take note, I'm going to get it right this week, a bridal shower. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's make sure you note and, uh, and the things that are there. Make sure that you're also aware uh, in terms of our Bible studies. If you still want to join one and be a part of one, uh, they are listed there for you. Let us come together in silent meditation. Let us stand. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Congregation for our first hymn, let us turn to number 12, number 12 in the Red Trinity Hymnal, number 12 in the Red Trinity Hymnal. Mm -hmm. 
God and Father, we are so thankful that you have blessed us and that you're the one by thy spirit who has asked us to gather before thy throne of grace. We come only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who has forgiven us of our sins and we praise his name for his work of selflessness on our behalf, in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. In association with the message this morning, I would like for the revelation of God's will to turn to chapter 16 of the book of Exodus, 
chapter 16 of the book of Exodus. A story that will be a good reminder to all of you. (laughs) Verses starting in verse 22, and I want to read through verse 35. Listen carefully to God's word. Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is the day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long? Will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to an habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, it is amazing how even in a barren wilderness, you, the sovereign God, enables those to see and to eat each day. We thank thee, O Lord, for the signal that even in terms of the Sabbath, that thou hast provided a rest in which they are satisfied with what they have collected on the sixth day. We ask, O God, that our hearts this morning would understand that we ourselves have entered into that Sabbath rest forever and ever 
that the Lord Jesus Christ has come as the bread of life and that he is the substance of our faith. Help us, each one of us, to solely look unto him as the object and the sufficiency and the satisfaction of faith in the living God. We thank thee, O Lord, for thy presence in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. Of course, in terms of the assurance of pardon in this situation, we cannot think any further, can we, than the John passage in which Jesus then said in John chapter 6, verse 32 and following, he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses that gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Congregation, let us respond by singing number 146. Remain seated in the Red Trinity hymnal, number 146.
us come together in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we are so grateful and privileged to be able to pour out our petitions before you. We come before thee knowing that our sole mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, intercedes for us. How gracious he is. We are thankful that he is praying for each one of us and praying for his church to continue as the people of God in this barren land. We ask, O God, that you would enable the gospel to prosper throughout the world this day. We thank thee for those who are our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are worshiping your name and praising your name this day. We thank thee for where the word of God is faithfully preached. And we also thank thee and ask, O Lord, that you would continue to guide thy church in various places in which the church itself is the object of persecution. Be with thy people there in a mighty way, wherever they are, on whatever continent they live. We ask, O God, that you would be a continual blessing unto them, and that you would fortify their faith in terms of the perseverance of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know, O God, that through thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through thy Spirit, that you are always present in the midst of thy people and that you are preserving them for the great day of the Lord Jesus Christ's return in which every person will bow before that throne. And we ask, O oh God, that as thy church, that we would see the perseverance of thy people forever and ever. We think, O oh Lord, of the specific issues that are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of our denomination. We ask that you would continue to be with those who are missionaries in foreign lands. Preserve them. Preserve the message. Give it residence in the hearts of those who are listening and being taught we think of James and Esther Folkerts. We ask that you'd be with them. And we ask that you would fill, continue to fill the need that they, that they have concerning two missionary evangelists uh, in the next year there in that foreign nation. We ask that you'd be with Micah and Eileen Bickford in, in Maine. We ask you to be with them as they receive uh, the three new members three covenant baptisms, and a steady stream of new visitors. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to bless that ministry and that those that body would grow and that they themselves would be a tremendous witness to the Farmington, Maine community. We thank thee for Carl Thompson and the ministry there in Grants Pass. We thank thee for his congregation and that we ask, O oh Lord, that they would continue 
to seek learning from the scriptures and understand more and more about the maturity of their own lives in the Lord Jesus Christ and the life of the church. We ask that you would also continue to bless those that are in our congregation. We think this morning especially of Jeremy Hunter. We pray for him as he now, this in this coming week, takes, uh, drives here to Washington and to spend December in Washington for Christmas. We ask you to give him safe travel. He also asks for God's wisdom in a number of, of various life decisions that are in front of him. We ask you to bless him and watch over him concerning these things and that you in your providence would give him clear direction concerning where to go in terms of his own life issues. We ask also that we... we we thankful also concerning his, the blessings that he rejoices in in terms of the Lord providing so much for him. We ask that you be with Michael and Joanna Hunter. We thank thee for their, their activity even here, even in terms of the service this morning. We thank thee for their lives and for their service of the Lord Jesus Christ in their various vocations. We ask also that you would give to them good health and blessing at this time and in this, in, into this next month so that they can be very much part of their family and, uh, and that they would rejoice in the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ at this Christmas season and that, that what thou hast done for them with respect to their families. We ask also that you be with the Simizu family in terms of their, their illness today. We ask that you cease the fevers and the coughs and you would restore them and quickly heal them. We're thankful that Micah is doing better. And we ask also that Ezra and Zephan would do much better as well. We ask that you keep also Josiah and Isaiah and Kenta and Christy also from this illness. We ask you to give them recovery. We ask also for recovery for Norm Long and his illness. And we ask you to continue to bless him. We ask that you continue to bless Kathy Huntsberger in her situation. We ask for continual healing upon her and give her a spirit that is uplifting before your presence. And we ask that you continue to be with Jan Shreve. We thank thee, O Lord, that she again is with us this morning. We ask that you'd be with her rotator cuff and her shoulder, which the pain has been worse this week. We ask, O God, that you would bless her to recovery. And we ask you to also that she would see the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and the continual presence of the Lord Jesus Christ with her. We ask that you continue to be with the Brown family. We ask that you be with Dave Brown as he travels today. We are thankful and rejoice that his mother has made it to Pittsburgh from Michigan. We thank thee for that and that she was able to make that journey. We now ask, O oh Lord, for, for peaceful agreement among the family concerning the situation of her care. We ask that you would be with him in terms of safe travel. We're thankful that the family 
uh, that was able to rejoice with a Thanksgiving uh, celebration yesterday. And we thank thee that Lynn's mother and father were able to participate well yesterday. We ask for your continual guidance upon them and your love poured out upon them. We are so thankful, O oh Lord, that you have given so many blessings to them and that the family was able to come together. We ask that you'd be with Debbie Donovan's father as well, and we're thankful to hear and rejoice that they also had a wonderful Thanksgiving together and his father was in good spirits. We ask, O oh God, that you would continue to bless him and be with him uh, with his radiation treatments. We ask that you would give to him clear airways in terms of, of this time in which he does have cancer. We ask and place all these things before your throne of grace in the manner in which our great mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and sing number 83. Number 83.
Well, we have had the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark's gospel this morning. We come to the feeding of the 4,000. So if you would please turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Reading verses 1 through 10. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. They took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and they sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat and his disciples and went to the district of Dalmalutha. Let us pray. We ask, O oh God, that our hearts would see the marvelous power of our Savior that we ourselves would be caught and understood in this, in this text as those who have a faith that is completely satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, that Christ, the meaning of life, would be that in which we see our own lives this morning. In Christ's name, amen. After Jesus' healing of the paralytic, the people responded by glorifying God and what had happened to the paralytic and said, we never saw anything like this before. Chapter 2, verse 12. 
In contrast, after Jesus met his family during his ministry, they said that Jesus was out of his mind. Chapter 3, verse 21. After Jesus rebukes the storm and the wind on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus notes that his disciples, his own disciples, have no faith and their fear. And in their fear, they remark, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Chapter 4, verses 40 through 41. When Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, his own family, his relatives, and those who lived in that town, the general population are offended by him and do not honor him. Because of their unbelief, he healed only a few people there. Chapter 6, verse 5. Then after Jesus' feeding of the 5,000, And the incident of Jesus walking on the sea, coming to the disciples, we are told that disciples did not understand what was going on with the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Chapter 6, verse 52. We saw that Mark's narrative through chapter 7, verse 23, focused upon the dominant Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. But since chapter 7, verse 24, we have turned the page to focus upon Jesus' ministry into exclusive Gentile country, accenting the humility of saving faith in the Seraphonician woman and in the healing of the man who was deaf and had a speech problem in the dominant region of Decapolis. Last week, we did not focus upon the final statement of the people who were astonished beyond measure of Jesus' act of securing in this man the ability to hear clearly and to speak fluently. The people there say in 737, Jesus has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and he makes the mute speak. 737 is a crucial verse. In Mark's continuing narrative, as we approach the feeding of the 4,000, grasp what is happening as the good news is moving from a Jewish-dominated country to a Gentile-dominated country. After the healing of the paralytic, the Jewish environment glorified God based on what they saw with their eyes— They saw the man get up and he walked. However, they provide no recognition of exactly who the person of Jesus truly is. After Jesus stops the storm, the wind on the sea, the disciples in their lack of faith raise the question, Who is this that the wind and the sea obey? 
now in chapter 7, verse 37, notice the reaction of this predominant Gentile environment with the healing of the deaf and mute man. They are astonished beyond measure. The people glorify God, seeing the paralytic get up and walk. They are, all, they are glorifying God because they never saw this before. But notice what is happening here in chapter 7, verse 37. The Greek text has the connotation that they are so astonished that they are on the brink of losing their mental capacity. <laughs> yes, their astonishment is beyond measurement. What has taken these people into this extraordinary mental state? It is Jesus who does all Things well. He not only makes the sick well, cures diseases, casts out demons, for example, legion and unclean spirits, but he even he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All things well. Don't overlook this last phrase. So far in Mark's gospel, we have not had the miraculous and supernatural touch of Jesus upon deaf ears and a mute tongue that has not occurred until that previous passage. This is significant, and its placement at this point in Mark's gospel is very significant. Remember, the Seraphonician woman, unlike the disciples, was able to understand, interpret, and apply Jesus' one-sentence parable about children, bread, and dogs, which brought Jesus' reaction to cast out the unclean spirit in her daughter. Then the healing of the man who was deaf and mute became a parabolic figure of the good news going forward to be heard and proclaimed beyond the lost sheep of Israel. Yes, the good news is going into the Gentile nations. Remember, the final words of Jesus when he delivered his sermon on the parable of the sower? He says in closing on that sermon, he who has ears to hear, let him. Chapter 4, verse 3, when he entered into that parable of the sower, he has pleaded with the disciples to hear him and understand the parable of defilement in 7.14. But in both cases, the disciples are not hearing and understanding in their hearts. 
But as we have pointed out, the Seraphonician woman, a Gentile, is the first one presented by the evangelist Mark in his gospel who listens, hears, and understands. And her transformation is now personified in the man who was deaf, but now hears with good ears and a tongue that speaks fluently. He hears and proclaims the gospel, the redemption that is found solely in Jesus Christ. Finally, he who hears, he who has Ears to hear. Hears. We have been waiting for ones like that since chapter 4, verse 9. Now he appears. Are you making the connections? You are hearing exactly the words of Paul playing out in these two Gentile stories here in Mark 7. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 is a one-sentence summary and commentary on Mark 7, 24 through 37. You may want to mark that in your Bibles. Now we are truly ready for this magnificent supernatural act by Christ in Gentile-dominated country, the feeding of the 4,000. The disciples now return in Mark's narrative. Remember, Mark did not mention their presence with Jesus when he went into the region of Tyre and Sidon in 724. Because of the disciples' lack of understanding Jesus' person, message, and work, Mark focused on Jesus alone as the evangelist. Jesus alone takes the good news into Gentile country as the true eternal head of the church, the sole possessor of redemption for closed ears and poisoned speech. Yes, Christ, as the supreme head of the church, is being clearly revealed in both the feeding of the 5,000, which we have seen before back in chapter 6, verses 34 through 44, and now the feeding of the 4,000. The revelation and the symbolism of the gospel in both feedings, the 5,000 and the 4,000, is most profound and yet challenging. There are elements that appear in both events that are duplicated, and there are situations that are unique in each event. 
concerning the differences and understanding of biblical history, the Greek text and the Hebrew background on the meaning of various numbers that appear in the text can help understand the wonderful meaning of the gospel in these events. Well, to begin, we can, have, we can say with confidence, based on the flow of Mark's narrative and geography of both events, that the feeding of the 5,000 occurs mainly in a, gen, in a Jewish environment, whereas the feeding of the 4,000 occurs mainly in a Gentile environment. In the feeding of the 5,000, the Old Testament prophetic theme of the people gathering like sheep without a shepherd catches the eye of the one who has now come as the final shepherd of Israel. Yes, the good shepherd has arrived who will lay down his life for the lost sheep of Israel. The head of the new Israel, the head of his church, has come as the bread of life. He has brought the supernatural blessing of heavenly bread so that everyone who eats of his bread and his fish will be satisfied and they will pick up 12 baskets of leftovers. Pointing to what? The 12 tribes of Israel. Since the days of Moses in the wilderness, Israel has longed for this day. He is the promised son of God, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who meets these people in a wilderness, desolate environment to assure them that he provides for all their spiritual needs in their continuing life in this world as a pilgrim people always being surrounded with a barren, barren life of unbelief until Christ comes again. Now in terms of the flow of the present text before us this morning, the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus has moved from exclusive Gentile country to a dominant Gentile region in Decapolis. We have noticed in our last few messages exactly where Mark is moving us, his reader. The evangelist Jesus is initiating as Abraham's seed the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant by taking the gospel to the nations. As we noted last week, Jesus first lives the wilderness path for the life of the church into the barren countryside of the Gentile world. And now, yes, now, he is ready to see the great crowd of dominant Gentile audience gather before him in where? Did you see it in verse 4? Did you see it? In a wilderness, in a desolate place. We're back in the wilderness theme. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, you must understand that you are called 
as a believer by the evangelist into a barren wilderness world. And that world does not cease until Christ comes again. Now, notice in both cases how Jesus reacts to the crowd. As the crowd, as the cloud, crowd, cloud, excuse me, as the crowd gathers in each situation, the head of the church, the evangelist, reacts to the crowd with compassion, sympathy, love, pity, empathy. In the feeding of the 5,000, his reaction of compassion is because he is seeing sheep without a shepherd. In the feeding of the 4,000 in our text, notice his reaction of compassion is because after spending three days with him, the crowd now has nothing to eat. The crowd is weary. It's hungry. If they are sent home without food, they might faint, the text points out, especially for those who have come from Far away. That's an interesting phrase as well, which we don't have time to explore here this morning. But that very phrase is a phrase that is applied in prophetic literature to Gentiles coming to the gospel. (laughs) Notice here, in terms of the 4,000, that Jesus initiates their need to be fed. Whereas in the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples make the observation that the crowd needs to be sent home since they have not eaten. At that point, Jesus intervenes since the disciples lack faith in Jesus' power and authority and feeds the 5,000. Yes, indeed, Jesus is the author and he is the finisher of our salvation for the Jew first and secondly to the Gentile. Hence, Jesus in the feeding of the 4,000 proceeds to make Israel's wilderness story into, or in the Old Testament, that wilderness story in the Old Testament, the story of the Gentile as well. Please see this. Old Testament history will become their personal history, their personal journey on earth as well. Old Testament religion will become their religion. Is that not true with you? Isn't that true with all of us here this morning? Who have Gentile dissension? Isn't the Old Testament history your history? Isn't it your story? He takes the seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Like the manna and the quail. 
In Israel's wilderness journey, he blesses it and gives it to the crowd in the same manner, orderly manner, that he fed the 5,000. And everyone present ate and were satisfied. Whereas in the feeding of the 5,000, the ground is transformed, if you remember, into green grass, green pastures in fulfillment of the presence of the shepherd Lord. In the feeding of the 4,000, the people merely, do you notice that in the text? They merely sit on the ground of the wilderness in fulfillment that the gospel is going to go to the ends of the barren earth of which they have been a participant. No green grass here as the Gentiles are served. The imagery is where the gospel will go. Oh yes, the numbers of three days and having nothing to eat, seven loaves to feed the crowd, and taking up seven baskets full of what is left over has significance. In terms of biblical revelation, it is best to remain with the most obvious meaning for the numbers. Three means a state of completeness. Fruitfulness, resurrection. And seven as the number of perfect completeness and holiness. Concerning the three days in their hunger, the day of the exclusion of the Gentile being withheld from all the benefits of salvation in the one true covenant God of heaven and earth through the coming of Jesus Christ has now ended For the Gentile world. It's now ended. The fruits of redemption are theirs. It is going to be theirs by virtue of the death of Christ for their sin. And on the third day. To be resurrected as the visible victory over their miserable sin. And placed that placed him upon that cursed tree to die. Jesus, as the bread of life for the Gentile, takes the seven loaves and few fish, blesses the people, blesses the people as he, Jesus, ushers them into the perfect and completed era of redemption, the already, the final kingdom of God. Yes, the bread of life, Jesus, is the perfect and holy offering for sin who enables the confessed Gentile sinner in repentance and faith to be made holy in Jesus' righteousness and holiness. As the text states, the seven baskets 
are collected and filled with leftovers. A different Greek word for basket is used in comparison to the leftovers at the feeding of the 5,000. The Greek word used for basket after the feeding of the 4,000 has a bigger capacity. It has the size of a hamper. This Greek word. That is what is pointed out by the scholars looking at this in terms of the text. Which means that the leftovers were much more than what was collected in the feeding of the 5,000 and the collection of 12 baskets. It's like a big hamper. The seven baskets. Plus, the seven baskets in the context of a dominant Gentile population most likely points to the 70 Gentile nations historically held by the Jews to be the descendants of Noah in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. You must move here from the seven loaves, the perfect holy redemption secured in the bread of life, Jesus, to the complete perfect harvest of the gospel in all the nations. Simply put, the feeding of the 4,000 places the Gentile, the reader of Mark's text, in the eschaton. You are in the days when the bread of life has entered the creation with the ministry of his kingdom. And those who are his elect sheep, whether Jew or Gentile, enter the seventh day, the final Sabbath rest of Christ's glorious kingdom complete and perfect for those whom Christ has perfected as his children by his cleansing blood and righteousness and yet wait for the final consummation of all things in Christ I hope you're entering into with your own heart. And although I have been stressing the fact that the feeding of the 4,000 is in a dominant region of the Gentiles, it also, at this point, there is a mixed audience. Jews were present in the feeding of the 4,000 as well. The barriers have now been broken by Jesus' action with respect to the Seraphonician woman. The Gentile is no longer in the Gentile is no longer in this eschatological kingdom of Jesus and his presence, a dog. Jew and Gentile both sit at the table of the Lord in which Jesus is our host.
giving himself as the substance of life. Oh, congregation, are you not hearing in these words this morning the voice of the prophet Isaiah? Are you not understanding the voice of Isaiah this day in the depths of your own heart? The Sabbath day, the day of the Lord has arrived. The wait is over for both Jew and Gentile. Those who have waited for the Lord shall renew their strength. Is your soul this morning, is your soul sensing the full power of Christ and His Spirit within you today? You are fed by the bread of life. You who are fed by the bread of life shall mount up with wings like eagles. You shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and you shall not faint. Why? Why? Because the bread of eternal life has satisfied you. Yes. You place your soul faith for salvation in Christ. And those of you who do that, who have committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are full. The Holy Spirit has placed the power of the cross and the empty tomb in your heart of faith. Now, you're not weary, are you? Nor do you faint. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. And how he lives in those who believe and trust. Let's pray. We are so thankful, O Lord, for the life of faith that comes by thy Spirit uniting us to such a glorious, precious Savior. We ask, O God, 
that as we are united today, even in this congregation, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that thou hast given to us the one means of the substance of life. the great shepherd of the sheep, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 605. Number 605. Let us stand and sing number 605.
Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has given to us a precious gift of heavenly blessings, of covenant condescension unto us, so that we may have that life in abundance even as we walk in this barren land. Bless thy people, bless thy church, O Lord. Bless the gifts of thy people for the strength of thy church. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We will worship our Lord and our God with our tithes and offerings. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen.